Episode 8, Level Up with Pharmacists. Today I'm speaking with Mark Conklin from PQS. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. This is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin Healthcom, a marketing agency specializing in managed markets. Today, I am speaking with Mark Conklin from PQS, and we're talking about how to engage pharmacists. I have to say that earlier in my career, if someone talked about how to engage pharmacists, and don't forget that most of the time we're working with pharmaceutical companies, but most of the time what they were talking about is how do we make sure that the pharmacist understands the medical implications of a prescribing decision? This is otherwise known as a pharmaceutical brand team's soulful cry, please don't switch my brand to a generic. I would have to say lately, though, that has very much changed. I've had a number of conversations lately about how do we get pharmacists engaged in patient outcomes? In other words, if I have a, a chronic, a, a product for a chronic condition, and as they always say, the most expensive drug is the one that the patient doesn't take. So if I'm, I'm really concerned about making sure that my patients are adherent to the therapy so that when I'm talking to payers and trying to prove the value of my product, I can, I've got some good results to, to communicate. How do we make sure that pharmacists are part of that equation? They have considerable influence and considerable touch points with, with the patient. How do we get them involved in this, in this pursuit of, of patient outcomes? It's actually what Mark Conklin from PQS, who I'm talking with today, is an expert at. I would also have to say I learned a lot during this interview. We talk about, for example, who came up with the pharmacy-based Medicare star ratings. I didn't know. Now I do. And Mark also mentions how the star ratings are in the future probably going to be applied to commercial plans. In other words, the, the, the plans on the exchanges. Didn't know that either. This interview is, is highly worthwhile, I feel. I, I definitely learned a lot. And with that, help me welcome Mark Conklin to the program today. Mark, why don't you talk a little bit about your current role and your current company? Sure. So uh, currently, I'm the Vice President of Operations for Pharmacy Quality Solutions. I oversee product development, product strategy, operations. We're a small group, so we still all get to do a, a good bit of work. Pharmacy Quality Solutions. What, what is that? PQS is a joint venture between the Pharmacy Quality Alliance, which is a, a multi-stakeholder consensus-based organization focused on developing medication use quality measures, and CE City. CE Cities, a Pittsburgh-based technology company, primarily focused on quality improvement efforts in the physician space. And a few years back, they got involved in the project and we used their technology in the pharmacy space, which has now become Pharmacy Quality Solutions and Equip, which is our primary service that we use to manage performance information for health plans and community pharmacies and their pharmacy network. That's interesting. So let me make sure I understand this. PQA, that's a nonprofit. That's correct. A advocacy group? Not an advocacy group, really a uh, an alliance organization, primarily, and again, their focus is medication use quality measure development. So they're kind of in, in the vein of like an NCQA from a measure development. Folks are more familiar with that, but they're organizationally, they're quite different from NCQA, but 
uh, when it comes to measure development. That's their their core purpose. Oh, interesting. So as far as measurements go, and just personally, I am much more familiar with the way that NCQA works, but but I'd be interested to know, you know, what are some examples of measures that PQA, you know, that pharmacists are measured by? Probably the most prominent example these days is the Medicare Part D star ratings program. There are five active star ratings measures that are PQA developed and endorsed and owned measures. They deal with medication adherence. Three of the measures are different therapeutic categories of me- uh, medication adherence. And then there's two safety measures, one dealing with the appropriate treatment of hypertension in patients with diabetes, and the other has to deal with the use of high-risk medications uh, in the elderly. Wow, I never knew that. I never knew that those were derived from, from, from PQA. So when you say it's a multi-stakeholder organization, who, who, you know, what are some examples of those kinds of stakeholders? Sure. So PQA as an organization has grown significantly in the past couple of years. And so they really now have representatives from almost any pharmacy-oriented stakeholder. So you see health plans, community pharmacy organizations, the pharmaceutical industry. You see IT vendors that are focused on pharmacy and medication use academic partners, consulting organizations. They really run the gamut. And I'm probably leaving a couple of folks out there, but they really run the gamut. There's a number of government organizations that are involved as well, but they really run the gamut of if you're talking about medication use stakeholders, there are folks that are active members of PQA. I think right now and the current membership list probably runs around 140 organizations or so. All of those stakeholders get together periodically and you hash out what you think the pharmacy quality standards should be. Exactly. They look for areas of opportunity where measurement can help lead to improvement. Really looking for areas of opportunity where they can improve patient care, improve service utilization, things like that. And so they get work groups together to convene and kind of create a consensus around that opportunity. And then there's a whole process for taking the measure from concept to actual, you know, endorsed measure. And so there's a a great consensus building process there along the way. Okay. So PQA is one of your parent companies and they've partnered with CE City, which is a for-profit kind of technology company that probably supplies you with a lot of the the technology infrastructure that you need in your enterprise. Is that- exactly. So one of the great things about getting PQS started was the fact that we had a mature technology infrastructure on which we can build our service. And so we really do use a lot of resources at CE City. We share and collaborate a lot with them on everything from data management, policies and procedures, et cetera. So they've really been instrumental in helping us get started in a, in a way that's really efficient. And you, you miss some of those startup stumbling blocks because they have the experience. Um, And like I said, it's kind of a mature infrastructure that we're able to build off of, which is really helpful for us. This is very intriguing. So you and a partner began PQS and you've got backing from these highly respected PQA and and CE City. How did this all come about? Probably the story probably starts about five or six years ago. I was at Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield at the time. PQA was, we had, at Highmark, we had been a, a very early PQA member. So back in probably about 2006, 2007, we started with PQA. They put out an RFP for demonstration projects. So they had endorsed their first set of measures. They were looking to see how those measures would get implemented and used. And so they looked for fee- people to kind of demonstrate what that might look like. Annette Boyer at CE City saw the opportunity there to 
really use some of their technology to connect pharma, uh, health plans and pharmacies. So she got some folks together at Highmark and at Rite Aid. And we talked about it and said, yeah, this, this makes a lot of sense. As a health plan, we knew that we were going to be responsible for these measures at some point in time. They weren't star ratings measures quite yet. And so, especially the adherence measures. And But we kind of figured that we should start to look at ways that we could tap into other resources when it came to needing to improve based on the accountability that we would have as a plan for these measures. And Rite Aid, again, was a, an incredibly willing partner. They kind of understood where things were going and, and wanted to start to feel through what they would do to adapt to that more kind of quality oriented environment. So it started way back then with a PQA supported project. The interesting part was what made that very successful, especially from an implementation process, was the fact that the Rite Aid pharmacists had access to continuously updated performance information, right? So they could tell where their gaps were, where they needed to focus. They could organize their field management around supporting pharmacies that needed to improve. And so that delivery, that continuous trafficking of performance information was a real catalyst to the actual intervention being very successful. And so as we took that, we said, how is this not just a Highmark thing? How is it not just a Rite Aid thing? How do you get a standardization around managing performance information in the pharmacy space since it's such a new phenomenon? We haven't had this really accountability for specific quality measures in the pharmacy space yet. So how do we look to standardize that? And that's really what PQS tries to take on. If we're going to have accountability related relationships between health plans and their pharmacy network, how do we at least create a base level of standardization around how we traffic that performance information? It decreases administrative burden really on both sides, but especially on the pharmacy side. So they don't have to focus on fragmented reporting, any questions about integrity of the data, depending on, you know, report to report. They know that it can be kind of a standardized reporting of performance information. And that serves both sides well so that you can move more quickly from measurement to improvement and not spin your wheels kind of on the measurement side of things, which can happen, which we certainly saw happen in the physician space from time to time. And so when we approached the pharmacy space, we said, hey, let's go after the ability to manage performance information in a very scalable, very efficient and very standardized kind of way. So let me interrupt you there because I, I got sure. a bunch of questions. Let's circle back on a couple of things. You're over at Highmark. And Highmark decides that there's going to be, they would like to ramp up on what they know is going to be upcoming STAR measures. In order to do that, they get a couple of partners together. They call out to PQA and they call out to Rite Aid and they say, okay, let's put our heads together and figure out how we're going to involve pharmacists in the pharmacy ratings, you know, or the, the star ratings, which are, are going to be heavily influenced by pharmacy, which yeah. makes a ton of sense. I, I guess my first question, and this is something that, I've, that I'd like to get your knowledge on. You had mentioned Highmark and then you had mentioned their pharmacy network. What relationship do plans have with pharmacies? I mean, is it a formal relationship or is it, there are contracts involved or, or how does that work? It can be a little bit all over the place. There are certain health plans that manage their own pharmacy network that hold the contracts with the network. In a lot of cases, health plans will have their pharmacy benefit manager, their PBM, 
manage the pharmacy network for them. And even within those two options, there's a number of different types of arrangements. But typically, those relations in the past have been transactional in nature, right? So it's primarily focused on pharmacies dispensing medications. Some of the things have grown to pharmacies being able to immunize and things like that. But most of that relationship with the pharmacy network has been around the transactional nature of dispensing medications. MTM has grown a little bit of that into the more clinical services space. Immunizations might be the same, even though those tend to be pretty transactional. The growth here is that how do you interact with your pharmacy network beyond a transaction, right? How do you derive clinical performance value out of that relationship. And there's there's benefits to both sides when you kind of engage there. So just as an example, health plans, it, you get good adherence measures. You have patients at your pharmacies that are adherent to their necessary medications. On the pharmacy side, you still derive value from filling more prescriptions, having better relationships with your customers, getting that stickiness, getting the additional revenue from the additional fills, all of that. So I don't like to use the term win-win, but in this case, especially when you talk about adherence, there are very positive things that happen on both sides that make the case for why you pursue those types of relationships. When you were talking before about the continuously updated performance information, obviously that that might have been a big deal because that's kind of a combination of data that Highmark has and it might be data that, that Rite Aid has. So there was some aggregated database or something? Ah, there is. So very interesting point. The data that we worked with in the, the demo projects was all Highmark data. Obviously, they were Rite Aid claims. And so we had, you know, Rite Aid also has that data in their warehouses, but we really looked at it from the standpoint of Highmark data. There were two positive things about that when you use the plan data, one of which is that, say, a member goes from a Rite Aid in a six-month period, they get five prescription fills, three of them are at a Rite Aid, two of them are at a Walmart that's close to their work or something like that. The Rite Aid pharmacist has responsibility for that patient given that they fill a lot of their prescriptions. And when you use the plan data, you actually can incorporate the Walmart fills or, or any other pharmacy for that matter into that overall calculation. So the Rite Aid pharmacist would see that that patient is adherent if they looked at their own data source, all they see are three fills over a six-month period, the patient looks like they're not adherent. And so when you incorporate the plan data, you really get a more holistic picture of that individual. Now, granted, not all patients go from pharmacy to pharmacy, but you capture in that, in that subpopulation of patients that move around, you can capture the whole picture where that's kind of invisible in, in a pharmacy organization's data as a standalone. The other part is when we calculate the measures off the plan data, we know that that's the measure, that's where the accountability lies. So specifically, much of the interest in this is driven by the Medicare star ratings. And so we want to view the data and the measurement as it's viewed when it comes to accountability for the stars. And so when the plan really needs to focus on how they're viewed, how adherence is viewed when it comes to Medicare, and then as that translates through the plan and down to the pharmacy. And so we try and keep that consistent so we don't lose something. And you say, hey, you know, we filled some cash prescriptions for this patient that are invisible to the plan. In that scenario, they look adherent to the pharmacy, but not to the plan. And so at the end of the day, you want to make sure you're acting on where that end accountability lies. And so that's one of the benefits of using the plan data and getting pharmacies oriented around how they look not necessarily internally to themselves, but how they are viewed by the plans 
is, I think, a very important part of establishing that relationship. This is a pretty bold pilot then that's that's going on there because you've got a database integration between Highmark and Rite Aid, which I'm sure is is easy to say and, and really difficult to do. Yeah, so it, it wasn't light. Um, you know, operationally, there was some heavy stuff there. One of the things that made it really easy was the role that CE City played. So the data connection was really between the plan and CE City at the time, and then CE City and Rite Aid, right? So the data didn't have to move that far when it came to kind of some of the claims data and, and the measure calculations. And then they just made it really easy to kind of chop it up and attribute it by Rite Aid Pharmacy and then put that out in a web-based reporting structure that they could use. And so that became very efficient. CE City's role allowed us to scale it which became very, very important. And obviously, as we progress to PQS and Equip and what we do today with kind of a multi-tenant application there, that scale and that efficiency really comes to bear, right? So how do, how do plans, especially national plans, reach a national pharmacy network and how do you distribute that information efficiently and on a regular basis? When we're, we're talking about the information that was available to, to the, the pharmacist, how does that look at a, at a pharmacist level? So in other words, you know, pharmacists going about their job, patient kind of wanders in. How do they know that, first of all, they're a high mark patient? And, and secondly, what, what, what do they do? Speaking of the demo, demonstration project, Rite Aid made a really, I think, a really smart decision. And they said, if it's a one-off process, they try one-off processes here and there, and they usually die on the vine because it becomes an additional piece of work that the pharmacist has to do that's disjointed. And so they said, we're going to do a universal screening and brief intervention process. We'll evaluate it based on the high mark data that we have available. And then also we had, I shouldn't leave out Gateway Health Plan, uh, which is also a, a Pittsburgh-based Medicaid plan that contributed some data in the project as well. And so they said, we're going to not just worry about Highmark and Gateway patients, but we're going to worry about everybody that walks in the door, right? We want this to be what our pharmacists do. And so every person that walks in that has a certain medication, we're going to screen them. We're going to intervene on them. We're going to try and engage them if we see that they have issues. I thought that was a really smart decision. Our friends at the University of Pittsburgh did a great job of helping them evaluate workflow in a very uh, Six Sigma kind of fashion to say, how do we fit this intervention into the workflow to make it part of what we do and not have it feel as much like a one-off thing that is probably going to be passing, right? So they really did a good job there. And I think the, that really helped with the pharmacist picking it up and executing on it. Okay. So you're over at Highmark. You're working on this awesome demonstration project, which winds up proving itself out to everybody's satisfaction. Is there any sort of results that you can speak to? Was it quantified in any way? Yeah. So the timing's actually interesting. We will be having those results published. It should be coming out in August. And so that's something that we'll definitely be sharing pretty widely once it becomes available. I think until then, we kind of keep the chatter about it down until it's able to be published. We will look forward to that. But obviously, the numbers look pretty good because the project was continued. To keep it at a high level, we saw improvements across therapeutic categories and adherence. And they were market improvements that were worth definitely worthwhile. And they actually showed in a couple categories some improvements in all-cost medical utilization. Let's get back to you for a sec. You're at Highmark and you're working on this project. 
somehow you get from being an employee over at Highmark to starting up PQS as a joint venture between PQA and CE City. Can you explain how you got from there to where you are now? Yeah, it's oh man. If yeah, if you would have told me a few years ago I'd be doing this today, I'd be telling you you're crazy. But so I guess it just it just progresses. It's really taking it one step at a time, and mostly it's being surrounded by really smart, really helpful people. And that's not just helpful in the project, that's helpful professionally. Was really lucky to be surrounded by some good folks there. And so you do the phase one project, things work out. You say, okay, let's move to phase two. As phase two comes to a close, I actually stepped away from it. I didn't know what was going to happen beyond that at that point. And so I was with Highmark's uh, innovation group for a period of time. But then there was uh, talk amongst the partners in the study and really, it was CE City and PQA that looked to take this on. Highmark and Rite Aid, to an extent, I don't want to say stepped aside, but we knew that if it was going to progress beyond that, it was going to be a neutral entity that would make it successful. And so that's where CE City is a neutral entity and PQA is a neutral entity. So I went to the innovation group. We were doing our thing. It was a great learning experience for me, I think, for anybody. Any next step you take, you go, what skill set do I develop? How adaptable is that skill set to whatever I do next after that? And there's a lot of news pieces out there these days about the fact that people don't have one or two jobs anymore in the course of their career. They may have three, six, nine, 12 jobs. And so you go, what am I going to develop in this job that's going to give me a good exit to whatever I feel like doing next, whatever you know is really interesting and challenging and exciting? So that's kind of what the way that I look at things. When I went to the innovation group, I was there about eight months. I got a phone call from Dave Now, who's uh, the president of PQS, and he and I were the first two employees at PQS. And he was at PQA at the time, leading their measure development efforts, but also he had a heavy hand in what was going on with the demonstration projects. He kind of said, hey, do you mind coming to PQA to help us go the last mile on developing a multi-tenant platform? And thought about it a bit, but at, at the end of the day, the draw to finish what we started and to see if we actually could make a commercial venture out of what was a demo project that we were just trying to see if, if we could get performance information to a pharmacy. It, it was really interesting and it, that I wanted the challenge of trying to take that the last mile. And so, and I knew doing that, I would learn a lot. I would get some great experience. At the end of the day, if we failed and PQS never existed because it wasn't a sure thing when we started at PQA, it would have been a great learning experience. And I think if you want advice for folks on how do you make those transitions, you just kind of look at it and say, what do I learn? What experience do I get? And how can I use that in doing something else? Thankfully, we were successful and PQS was born. Equip was launched as a formal commercial venture. And I've learned so much. We have a whole lot more work to do. It's a really great space to be in right now. So it, it's worked out beyond what I could have ever thought when we first started this. But when you talk about moving from maybe what might be a safe, comfortable position to what we've been doing today, it was really a stepwise approach to it. And each step simply made sense. You took a calculated risk that, that paid off. Is that how you look at it? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it, geez, I'm a pharmacist by training. Most of the folks we work with are pharmacists. By nature, I think pharmacists are risk averse. I'd like to think that it wasn't a wild risk. It was just take a step back. You look at it. You talk to your family, your friends. I talked to my wife about it a lot. And we figured that for all of us, it's going to make good sense. And, and thankfully, it's all worked out. 
you go from Highmark over to PQA, and then yep. eventually PQS is is spun off with the the centerpiece of this demonstration program as your core product offering, basically. Exactly. Yep. Your your comment that while Equip is your core product offering, that you are packaging it within a package of service. And I thought that was really interesting because just yesterday I interviewed Janine Ray, who is the founder of Motive Strategies. She's a consultant in service design. And I had actually never heard that term before, but I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Effectively, what her point is, is that people design products and they spend a lot of time designing products, but they forget to design the services that really are going to define whether the your customers love the product or, or not. So it's really interesting that that you guys thought about that, thought about what services are, you're going to package with the the product in order that your customers can use the the data or the the, the product more effectively. It's funny that you bring that up. We, uh, I, she and I don't know each other, but I think we'd get along really well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll hook you up. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, but that it's so important. Uh, I think these days, in a, a disposable business kind of world where you can stand up a technology, stand up an app, stand up a platform fairly easily. I don't want to make it sound too simple, but we see it happening a lot, and that's the product. But I don't think that folks in general pay enough attention to the service. And I think for us, we went from Equip was the marketing early on, but it, it comes to bear that our company is PQS and they hire PQS to do work for them. And so it's not just Equip. There is more to the engagement than a platform or a software as a service. It's you want to make sure that you deliver a good service for your customers. And we do pay a lot of attention to that. I'm sure people are at the edge of their seats. Can you talk about Equip? What is this product that began as this Highmark demonstration project and it went through a couple of phases and now it is a commercial, you know, you've rolled this out commercially. At its foundation, Equip is a multi-tenant performance information management platform, right? So we look to take claims data from health plans mostly, although we do have pharmacies that give us some of their dispensing data as well. And we take that we calculate the measures in a standardized way. We attribute the patients to pharmacies. And so we chop up all that data at the plan level into each pharmacy in the country, really. And then we also work with pharmacy customers to build hierarchies. So if I'm a chain pharmacy and I have regions and districts and areas I can see how my performance looks at each level of the organization. We try and make it very simple, very intuitive for them to understand the information so they don't spend their time in complicated reports and they can look at it, get a glance, know where their deficits are, know where their strengths are, and they can move forward with going and actually doing what they should do, which is taking care of patients. At the pharmacist level, I have a couple of questions for you, but at a ground level, patient walks in the door. Does a pharmacist need to check a separate screen to see how that patient is doing? Does it pop up within their standard pharmacy system or how does that work? That's a good question. And that's one of the one of the biggest barriers to getting folks engaged is that in as a standalone web based application, we are yet just one more portal that someone's got to log into, that someone's got to go to. 
And believe me, that's not exciting for me either. Really what we look to these days is part of managing performance information. And this is why we talk a little bit about PQS as opposed to just Equip, right? Because Equip's a great tool. It's great in the independent pharmacy space where we may have a harder time. There's not a central system. There's disparate pharmacy dispensing systems, and it's going to be tough to integrate with everybody. So you need that home base. But we do look a lot at how do we make access to that information easier? How do we put it where pharmacists live? And so we spend a lot of time on working with customers to figure out where's the best place to put that information. In a lot of cases, is equipped these days. But a lot of times that engine that sits behind Equip can also put that information elsewhere. Or we can single sign on to Equip so it's a more seamless transition between a dispensing system or between an existing system that they're very comfortable with and Equip. And so it feels like they're in the same system. So we do spend a lot of time on that because like you mentioned, any standalone web-based application is just another portal for folks and you have to make it engaging. And typically we look at that as putting the information where they live and where they're comfortable today. This is part of the service design that we were just talking about. What you do when a customer signs on is you figure out how to work with either them or their pharmacies to ensure that Equip is really easy to get to. Exactly. A couple questions for you. You kind of mentioned that you had two I'm going to say varieties, two flavors of customers. One is on the plan side and then one is on the pharmacy side. When we're talking about your plan customers, is there a specific kind of plan that might gravitate toward a product like Equip or need Equip more? Primarily, our work these days is driven by Medicare plans. Given the significant financial implications associated with star ratings, that's the bulk of the interest in our work. However, uh, we also get a good bit of interest from managed Medicaid plans. We see Medicaid budgets are struggling, opportunities for them to get improvement wherever they can get it, improving adherence in patients, improving the control of asthma in patients. Those can be really important for managed Medicaid plans just when it comes to balancing overall service utilization. Moving forward, we see uh, a lot of interest in the quality rating system associated with the exchange products. As that becomes more formal, as folks start reporting on that, that is certainly something given that the same measures are going to be used, especially the adherence measures in the quality rating system as are used in the star rating system. You know, we start to see some alignment there. Question for you. So say a plan hires you. Is it then whose responsibility is it, is probably a better way to phrase the question, to make sure that pharmacists in that plan's area are using Equip. How does that work? The plan has to do their part to make sure that there's a reason for them to want to engage. So when I talk about that, what we hear a lot of talk about these days and what we support with a few of our customers are pay-for-performance or pay-for-value type programs. But we also see other engagements where a plan can say, We have some deficits maybe in this specific region or this specific area. We know who our key pharmacy partners are there. We help them identify some of the areas of opportunity. And we reach out and have kind of one-on-one conversations and start some pilot engagements around very specific gaps. And so there's some relationship effort put into that that might not be P4P type arrangements. And even within that P4P space, there's a number of different types of programs that can be put out there to foster that 
focus and that effort on improving. So the plan does have some work to do because it we don't see that if you look at the market as it is, maybe call it pre-quality, even though there's some really positive things on the adherence side for pharmacies, we only saw a certain extent of effort to get that value. And so we know that the value that the plans need doesn't necessarily happen organically. And so things have to change, relationships have to change to make that value pertinent, to want to encourage people to go after it. There has to be an engagement strategy on the plan side, and there has to be an engagement effort on the pharmacy side. And really what we look to do is to bring those two things together. And we will do a lot of that work ourselves, but we need effort on both sides of that equation. Given in the star ratings, at least, there is a significant and concrete financial return and other return that the plan can realize. So it's easier to create a pay for performance type program in that arena because you're willing to say, I'm willing to spend money for improvement given the return that I'm getting. The Medicare star ratings is just the right environment for that to happen. And we're going to see that environment kind of bleed out into other areas, kind of like I talked about with the QRS uh, and the exchange products. I don't exactly know how that's all going to play out yet. The idea there is that you start to create measurement systems that are tied to incentives, and then you can subsequently extend that out to people that can help you improve. Just really quickly, for those that don't know, what does QRS stand for? The quality rating system. And that'll be a similar looking system that's tied to the products that are sold on the exchanges. Let's take a look at your other customers just kind of quickly. So say a pharmacy or a pharmacy chain hires you. Do they then have to go recruit plans or how does that work? No. So we work to recruit the plans and to bring them into the system. The pharmacies that we work with have an understanding that while we don't have every claim in the country, we do work with plans that are actively invested in their pharmacy network. And so what's important about that is we do get questions about, well, I'd, I'd really like to see all my data. And that's that can be great, but what you sometimes get is a little bit of noise in there where what we're really looking for are those signals, right? Who are those signal plans that are making concerted efforts in engaging their pharmacies around quality improvement for these quality measures? Those are the plans that we want to work with. And I think those are the plans that the pharmacies are very interested in seeing how they're performing for those plans. If a plan doesn't have an engagement strategy, isn't really focused on, you know, holding a, a network accountable for those measures, at the end of the day, there's not much reason to traffic the performance information, right? There are pharmacies that we work with that give us their dispensing data. They are pharmacy organizations that are fully invested in quality regard almost I don't want to say regardless of what the plans are doing but they really are invested in being high quality pharmacy organizations and that's something that we see that they say we'll give you all our data we bring it in and mash it up with the plan data to make sure that everything they really get that 360 degree view that's important to them and we can help foster that we have other org pharmacy organizations that we work with that are fully satisfied with the idea that you have certain plans data in that dashboard and that that's been growing. And thankfully for us, that continues to grow. And so they say, these are the plans that we need to focus on, that we want to focus on, that we kind of figure that PQS helps us bring that relationship together. And so that's a really great 
engagement with those folks, um, just a little bit different than the folks that provide us the data and have a little bit of a different view of things. How much of the country do you cover then? From a pharmacy standpoint, we're approaching our 50,000th pharmacy that we're connected to in one way, shape or form. So roughly maybe five out of every six pharmacies in the country. Those engagements differ. Like I mentioned before, we put the information where it's of interest. And so in some of the large pharmacy chain organizations, they use that information corporately at a higher level. And then they use that to affect strategy for how they roll out programs to their pharmacies, but they don't have direct pharmacy access. In a lot of other cases, especially in the independent pharmacy world, we have thousands of store level pharmacy users that are actively engaging with Equip. It, it just differs and it kind of depends. But even if you talk about a corporate chain pharmacy organization, they have visibility to the performance of every one of their pharmacies. And so that's affecting strategy in one way, shape or form, whether it's at a store level or at a district level or at a corporate level. What about from the plan side of the equation? Because obviously you need the plans to have the the, the yep. patient data. Are you working on a critical mass for, for plans or is that something that you could say you already achieved? We do have a critical mass because uh, it, it does provide, we have enough plans that provide a very robust look. We manage about 11 million lives today, as of today. But that's probably going to double within the next four months. We handle, give or take, about 30 million prescription drug claims a month across all of those folks. So that usually provides pretty robust performance data for the pharmacies that we work with. Now, I'm not saying there's not gaps. There's not places where we don't have a lot of great data yet, but it does give us pretty good coverage. And there's certain regions, especially as we expand and you bring on certain regional plans, that really makes a certain region or a certain state very robust. Let's take this from a different perspective. So if I'm a doctor, for example, and I have, I'm running a PCMH, in which case I am also evaluated on my ability to get patients to adhere. Could I do something in my practice to sort of synergize with, with what is going on in the area and actually get better results for my own quality measures? That's, uh, oh man, that's probably the holy grail. I think a lot of folks are looking at that triangulation. If we're talking about, you know, we do work in a silo, right, of, of health plans and pharmacy networks, but obviously the physician, especially when we talk about certain med measures that are prescribing based, the physician is, or the prescriber is a very critical part of the process. And so the way we don't have a prescriber facing part of our business today Quite frankly, our friends at CE City are far deeper in that space. And so we would look to do things like combine our efforts to provide an, an integrated solution. Always happy to start to pilot stuff like that out. Um, there's been a lot of talk about that, but we haven't quite done it yet. It, it's there's something there that, you know, plans, pharmacies, you know, o, o docs, they're all looking for that kind of easy triangulation. Um, and oftentimes things have been tried. Some things have been very successful. Integrated systems uh, are making a lot of strides in really some of that more coordinated effort. I think one of the best approaches there may be a networked approach where our service combined with other services can be made available in a coordinated fashion. And they start to pull together that group in a very simple way without providing them two or three or four portals to go to to pull together information. And it's it's that's just simply a tough thing to do. And that's why if you talk to folks about ACOs or about coordinated care or about transitions of care, 
there's been far more talk than there's actually been success. And hopefully we keep, you know, talking about it so that we can work towards better models. Well, it would uh, seem like at a minimum, if I'm a physician or, or a provider in an area that is has P4P based on my adherence, it would seem to serve me well to know which, pharmaci- which pharmacies were, were actively using Equip because at a minimum, by trying to get my patients to be taken care of in that way, my own there's a there's a, a synergy there of of incentives. There is, and in a lot of cases, we see physicians having accountability for some of the same measures, where it becomes really necessary to form those relationships. Now, if I'm a community pharmacist and I'm working in my pharmacy and I see that I have deficits, there are certain things like adherence that I can probably manage on my own. My goal is to get that person to come back on time for their medication next month, and then the month after that, and then the month after that. But when it comes to things like high-risk meds in the elderly, one of my first priorities would be establishing good relationships with the high-volume prescribers in my area and reaching out to them maybe like I haven't before. I think there's always been a good case for pharmacists and docs to have a good relationship, but some of this ties that together. And I think as you start to see some of those relationships form, if docs have accountability, they do want to know which pharmacies are able to help them, especially if it's an adherence measure. Um, If a physician does not see the person often enough to make an impact on that measure, the pharmacy becomes a critical resource to help move that forward. And so that's where it's tough to say that we would see a a one-size-fits-all kind of approach to that. But I think you will see very creative um, and very... uh, active engagement of pharmacies and physicians as this becomes more and more important. And I think you see things like P4P, uh, the pay for performance, pay for value programs, they really tend to push the envelope on that. Once folks have some dollars on the line, you know, that's where you look to push what levers you have available to really get the improvement that you need. Mark, you've you've shared some really interesting points of view, and I definitely have learned a couple of things I did not no, before. If someone wants to get a hold of you, where where can they find you? They could probably email is always the best. So it's mconklin at pharmacyquality.com. You can go to our pharmacyquality.com website and there's links to contact us from there. You can go to the equip.org website and there's links to contact us there. Any of that usually winds up in one shape, way, shape or form with me or with one of the other really great folks that we have. And so... If people want to know more, we'd we'd be happy to talk. Excellent. And I will also put all of those email addresses and links on the show notes for this episode as well on RelentlessHealthValue.com. And I guess, too, I am a, a Twitterer on occasion. So I think it's at MH Conklin that folks can uh, see if they're Twitter users. I thank you so much for being on the, the program today, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. This has uh, been really fun and interesting. Subscribing to the podcast is free, and you'll never have to remember to download an episode again. All you got to do is go to RelentlessHealthValue.com, where you will have two subscription choices. You can either click on the big orange button in the right sidebar to subscribe in iTunes, if that's how you roll, or just underneath that big orange button, you can subscribe using the handy online form. If you go the handy online form route, you'll get an email each week with a link to download the podcast. It's easy as pie. 
If you're interested in a particular topic, then definitely go to the Contact Us page on RelentlessHealthValue.com and let us know. We are very happy to hunt down a guest who can discuss a topic or answer a question that you might be interested in. As always, this episode is sponsored by Franklin HealthCom. We are a managed market marketing agency. You can read all about us at franklinhc.com. That's Franklin with a Y, by the way. F-R-A-N-K-L-Y-N-H-C.com. Thanks so much. Tune in next week.